All right, I got two things for you. I got two things for you. First and foremost, first and foremost, Mr. Zach Duffy wanted to let, let you guys know that during Temptation Teams, they prayed for his knee and the pain is gone. The Lord, just go ahead and take away that pain. Do a little healing action during Temptation Teams. Uh, just before we start, I wanted to show you guys this. I left my impact on England. This is on YouTube. You can go ahead and play it just for real quick, just one second. This is my influence. Five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, that's me. I taught the girl in the front how to do the Cupid Shuffle, and one week later she recorded it with all her friends and she put it on YouTube for us. So that's my mark I leave on England. I brought the Cupid Shuffle, and they do it in the streets of England now. Everywhere you go. So it's going to catch on. All right, tonight I want to introduce to you the woman who is the foundation of most of my biblical belief. That's because I taught them. They know, that's all they know is my move. That's what they think is. They think that's the right move. It's my move. What? It is. It is. Wait for it. Wait for it. They think that's the move. That's my move, but that's what they do because I was the one who taught them. Wait for it. See? Look it. That's my move. You see? Uh-huh, uh-huh. I want to introduce you tonight, uh, the woman who is responsible for most of the biblical foundation in my life, the woman who taught me everything that I know about ministry, and um, quite possibly the coolest woman in the universe. Help me introduce the one and only, the amazing Deb Graper. Yeah. There we go. Last night, and Cameron came up and he taught CYM. I yelled out because he's always said that. So I'm like, "That's my son, right there." <laughs> so I finally got to say it. So it worked out really good. Um, yeah. By the way, I am Mrs. Deb Graper. <laughs> Somehow I end up divorced tonight. I don't know how that happened, but yeah. Anyway, thanks though. She's just trying to make me feel young. Um, I want to thank Cameron. He really helped me out last night, and he taught CYM, and we're switching up. And we're like, "Why did we never do this before?" It's ridiculous that we've never done this before. I mean, the people that are in youth ministry, I mean, they've, they've taught before and uh, things, but I mean, I've never really come up here. I'm supposed to be over top, you guys. I'm actually supposed to be like here way more often probably. I don't. I think I'm going to like crimp your style so I just stay back, you know. But anyway, thanks to Cameron and uh, thanks for all you guys. that Some of you guys, you just can't get rid of me. I mean, honest to God, you leave and they're like, she's can't get rid of me. And uh, I really enjoyed uh, worship tonight, listening to Cassie. I haven't got to listen to Cassie worship uh, for a while, so I was like, really enjoyed it, very much so. So a lot of years with Cassie um, leading worship. So yeah, I don't know if you know me very much, but uh, yeah, obviously the youth whatever is what I've always gone off of. Um, Well, yeah. But um, I really thought, you know what, doesn't really matter because I love youth and that's my heart. So um, been doing that about seven years. Just be in June, it'll be seven years. And uh, so, if you don't know me, that's who I am. And there's so many people I know you to see you, talk to you a little bit, say hi, but you really don't know me at all, really. It's weird, weird relationship. So, anyway, um, want to teach you tonight about um, religion and relationship, and go off the uh, title of "What If." And I want to explain to you right off the bat. I don't know, really know the demographic of your group. I don't know. How many of you guys are really like have accepted Jesus? How many of you didn't? How many of you guys say you're living it? I really don't know. I mean, I really don't know where everybody's at. So don't take offense. It's not like I'm like, oh, Deb knows, Deb knows nothing. Hopefully a little something, but 
nothing. Anyway, I want to talk to you about what some, uh, some of the what-ifs, and I want to ask you um, the what-ifs like, what if God actually created you? We, we, this sounds so simple, simple, basic idea, and what if this is the only life that you get to lead? What if this is it? No extra chance. What if Jesus is the only path that leads to eternal life? And what if he actually expects more from you than you're actually giving him? And those are the things I kind of want to go through a little bit tonight with you. You know, it, it sounds so crazy because you think, well, you know, you're talking to Christians. What I'm going to do tonight, and hopefully you will understand, is there's a difference between Christians and Christians. <laughs> there's a big difference sometimes. And the, the actual term Christian is actually confusing enough because it actually, if you look at the definition of Christian, it's actually three different things. And it's kind of an interesting thing because if you look up what it means, it says one who professes belief in Jesus as Christ or one who follows the religion based on the life and teachings of Jesus or one who lives according to the teachings of Jesus. So there's differences. There's obviously difference in that. So I mean, I'm sure you guys yourself have met people that are like, oh, where do you go to church? What do you? And they're like, oh, I'm a Christian. And you're like, okay. Because you're thinking, is that true or is that not true? So we can see that other people have different Christianisms than other people. So we know that's different. And, uh, you know, there are some people who would call themselves Christians that, who still believe that we evolved from monkeys. They will say that they're Christian, but yet they will say that we're not created by God, that we're evolved from monkeys. Monkeys still. Some who will still call themselves Christians who will actually say that if they'll get another life, that they get more than one. You know, that they, if this one life doesn't work, they can go to another life. And, you know, when you die, you get another one, and it doesn't work that way. Some who believe that all our sayings that we use as Christians, that all uh, roads don't lead to Jesus or lead to heaven except for Jesus, they would think that's a crack. That's not true. Yet they would call themselves a Christian. So we can see it's really kind of bizarre, this idea of Christianity and how people think. And I'm always amazed by those people because I'm always thinking, well, how does that happen? How does it happen that people get this mindset of Christianity but yet be so off the mark? You know, how does that work? And, I mean, I, I really, I get so confused by it sometimes because I'm just like, I don't, I don't get it. I can't wrap my mind around that. Um, truth is that the percentage of religious Christian conservative Christians is really declining in our nation. Obviously, we see that's probably very true. Last election, I think that was kind of very, you know, started to become evident where people would say, well, there's not as many Christian, you know, evangelical people or whatever, or right, you know, all these different things. And, and Barna Research says that uh, they found that the person's worldview is primarily shaped and is firmly in place by the time a person reaches the age of 13. So we can see what a lot of their thoughts and their ideas and their mindsets have already are in place. You know, me doing youth ministry, I'm amazed by some of the kids that'll come in at 12 years old. The parents are scared to death to let them come because they're like, oh my goodness, it's crazy music. I know a couple of, like Zach was saying something about the, you know, music. I'm like, this is quiet compared to Wednesday night. <laughs> this is Mike, Mike House, he knows. Um, you know, the thing is, it's crazy on uh, Wednesday night. The only thing I ever ask is I really don't mind all any kind of music, but I always say, Wednesday night's no screaming before I speak. I can't take that screaming thing. <laughs> it just messes with my head. I can't take it. I'm 44. So it's like one of those things. It's like I can't take it. But, um, you know, 
it's, it's a loud environment. But I'm always surprised by these parents that will say that they don't want their kids to come in at 12 because it's so, you know, it's so crazy. It's loud. We just don't want our kids to hear anything that they're going to. And it's like, they're, they've heard it. They've heard it and then some. They come in. Most of their stuff is already determined in their mind, their mindsets. They're, most of them are indoctrinated in school. They're told all these different things. They believe it because it's been truth. My husband, oh, my goodness. When he, I got saved seven years later, he did. We have fought with him for years of the stuff that he thought he really truly believed because of what he was taught in school, because he was raised in a public school that told him. I'm like, but you know, you got to reconcile this now with your belief. Just because a teacher told you that for years, is that true? But we see that this is what comes in to youth ministry. 12, 13-year-old kids that really have a worldview already developed in their mind. So these people have this by the 13. And then what's interesting is it's refined. It becomes more and more refined through experience during teen and early adult years and stuff. And then finally, the saddest part of it all is it's passed on to others during their adult life. What they've been indoctrinated with, what their thought patterns are, how they think of God, their impression of who Jesus is, all that is already all up there. And then they start passing along. One of the things I tell the kids and youth all the time, and if anybody, I'm going to tell you, some of you people are going to be like, yeah, no, Deb, you've been saying that for years. Because you've been there. And I feel bad for Kate and Mike because both of them are still helping me. And so some of this is going to sound real familiar to you because I've been kind of teaching a little bit on this uh, topic in CYM. But some of the things that um, I'm always amazed by is some of these kids that will come in with these attitudes and thinking that they, they're so, yes, this is the truth. And, and you realize it's like it's just a lie that's been perpetu- perpetrated and, and gone through their minds for years by parents and teachers and and all these influences. So Christians in churches, all churches, you know, could be wrong. People with calling themselves Christians could be wrong. Um, I don't know about you guys, but have you ever really thought if what you believe, I know everyone loves to think they're so super intelligent, like I've got it all figured out. What if you're wrong? What if there's some things that you don't really know, you don't understand? We could be wrong. Sometimes we think we know everything because it's what we know and we perceive as truth. doesn't necessarily make it God's truth. It's just something that we believed over time. That happened to me because I didn't get saved until I was 28. So believe me, a lot of my thoughts and my mindset and my, my patterns in my life, I had to completely, like, scrap all that, <laughs> change it and go back and think, okay, this is what it was really supposed to be like. You know, what if some of our teaching and our influences before you are 13 was wrong. What if the people in your life, no matter how well-meaning they were, no matter how much they loved you, and they gave you, you know, truth, they thought, what if it was flawed? I just want you to keep this mindset because there's obviously some reasons why we need to be reading God's word because it's going to reveal a lot of stuff and it's going to tell you some things. I'm going to uh, go off of a scripture tonight. And uh, it's 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. If you want to look there, you can. Um, I've kind of really, uh, one of the things I really feel like I wanted to talk to the kids a lot, um, I really try not to stray away from the subjects of truth, heaven, hell, the rapture, the fact that Jesus is going to come back, because I think a lot of times we preach this idea, this mindset that Jesus saves, you know, and that, you know, Jesus died and he rose, but the thing is, he's coming back. He's coming back for those people that are his true followers. And that, again, is going to be off of what is a Christian. You know, one who professes it, one who's following it, you know, one of them who is just living their life according to what 
Jesus would have done. So there's differences. But 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5 says, In the last days there will be very difficult times, for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious. This is the point I really want to make tonight. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. I'm sure Cameron has probably more than said how wonderful the the Full Life Study Bible is, because I'm sure he said it because I love it too. But Donald Stamps in the uh, Life Study Bible basically goes through, this is how the world is going to be when the end approaches. When it comes, this is what people are going to be like. It's not hard to see this is what's going on now. I mean, I'm sure most of you guys have run into people who scoff at God, are disobedient, are unlovable, ungrateful, all those different things, people that don't have self-control. So we can see all these things are already taking place. And uh, in this scripture, he says more and more wickedness is going to take place. More. There's going to be more of a collapse of moral standards in the world. And, and what comes with that is going to be more and more false believers. More and more churches not teaching truth. And sadly, these are going to be the people, a lot of times, who are going to be trying to teach young people. People that should be taught the truth are getting taught lies. Half-truths. And we see that that's where it's going to be a problem. Like I said, the last few weeks I've been teaching in CYM, I've been teaching about self. Just a simple four-letter word. I'm going to tell you it's worse than the other four-letter word. I'm going to tell you self is worse by far. Because uh, self, if you look at self, I mean, there's so many sins that come out of that. This mindset all the time. Selfishness. You know, I talk to the kids about selfishness, this idea that everything's about you, what, how it makes you feel. It's not this empathy, this concern for others in the world, and, and that's Jesus' whole message. You know, we're supposed to love others. And so, you know, a lot of times people look at this selfishness that it's not a big deal, but it is. Selfishness is a very big deal in God's eyes. And I made the kid joke with the kids, telling them I, I sung that, that cheer to them, you know, U-G-L-Y, you ain't got no alibi, you're ugly. You know, ugly. Because, <laughs> you know, selfishness is an ugly thing to God. I also taught on self-control. The one thing with self-control is that God's word says it's like self-control, if we did that, it's a wall. It's a barrier between us and sin. If we would build up self-control, if we could do something like that, we would save ourselves so much destruction in our world and in our lives. And uh, this, the scripture is 1 Peter 5.8. It says, be self-controlled and alert because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to destroy. And I made the point. I said, if you, know, you don't really practice self-control, I want you to understand that that scripture is basically saying, you're dead meat. You're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. You're going to fall victim to somebody's charms <laughs> or you're going to fall victim to deception, the idea that money is the most important thing, all these different things. If you're not building up a wall of self-control in your own self and not just being, you know, flapping in the breeze, doing whatever you want whenever you decide to, you're going to fall victim and you're not going to make it. So you have to practice self-control. But that scripture... It basically goes through the one I read earlier. It goes through this list of sins that basically have, at the root of them all, self. It's a selfish motive. It's a selfishness uh, mindset all the time. And like I said, it shows this is going to be the way it's going to be when the last days come. And they are just like today. 
And like I said, not just today in the world, not with the unbelievers, but sadly, in churches. It's a selfish mindset. And um, what ends up happening with the selfishness, the selfish motive? You know, there's not much difference um, in being a Christian if you're not really getting rid of the self part of yourself. And, you know, the thing what happens in, in your faith, if you really don't make it all about, like, really true reasoning why you're doing what you're doing, it becomes more about re, re, uh, religion than it really does relationship. And that's the point I really want to stress through to you tonight because, like I said in that scripture verse, when it talks about the fact that um, people will act religious, they'll act. And so I want to explain to you and go through some of the things that really God, God's word says about religious. Because I think that we can see there's religious people all around. People that would, like I say, call themselves Christians, but they don't really have a relationship. There's nothing there that really would make them want to change. And I, if you look at the Illinois Valley, I'm sure that most of you guys have run into Illinois Valley is filled with a lot of people with religion. This, this is an area that's just bombarded with religion. A lot of different religions, denominations. You'll see churches all over the place. But a lot of them don't really have relationship. Crosses all denominations. I don't care which one it is, this included. Somebody's a God is no different than any other religion. There's people downstairs that sit in that big church. People that sit in all the different things that are just practicing religion. It has nothing to do with a real relationship with Christ. And you need to ask yourself, what if there's a real difference? What if there's a real difference and are you doing the same thing? It's really what I'm trying to get through to these kids, this mindset. It's like, why do you do the things you do? It's not just that you do them, but why do you do them? Religion is basically something we do over and over again. Basically just because we've always done it. It's a ritual. It becomes a habit, just a mindset. This is what I do because I'm supposed to do it. You go to the same church because it's the church that your parents or your family has always gone to. So you're going to go to that same church because they go there, you need to go there. You know, it's basically what happens. Religion is more so if it's your Sunday morning getting up and going and standing there just because it's your sacrifice. You know, you have to attend because it's expected out of you. The people around you are going to expect it. You're even your people that you're in community with. You're not there. They're going to be expecting you. You know, why aren't you there? So you think about that. You know, it's the mindless standing up and sitting down and kneeling sometimes that people do in, in churches. They do it because it becomes more about religion. And this mindset, not really relationship. It's something that was learned behavior. It's just like this mindset before you're 13 and all these different things that get taught in your mind and it becomes your patterns. It also becomes just a pattern in your life. Religion just becomes something you just do because everyone's told you to do it. You should always do it because everyone told you to do it. And it's that. And I kind of look at religion kind of as something you do. But relationship is really the reason why we actually do it. Why we do something. You know, I could, I could make dinner every time and just make dinner but I make dinner for my family because I actually love them and want to feed them and take care of them. That's why I do it. You know, there's a saying, and I've used it many times in the youth ministry, is that most people miss heaven by like about 10, 12 inches. It's from their mouth to their heart. A lot of people will, who are religious will say that they believe in Jesus Christ. It comes out of their mouth. But it never firmly gets planted in their heart, and so they miss heaven. Because it's different by just saying it than really following it and living it. So there's a difference. 
And, you know, God never, ever intended us to be mindless religionists. Never. I mean, it was never supposed to be that way. We're not supposed to do something just because God says, or because someone else tells us we need to go to church, or somebody says we need to do this, or we need to do that. This is not what God would want of us. You know, just doing them for the sake of doing them. That's not what he intended. And uh, Jesus thought those people were ridiculous that they did that. I mean, he just thought it was just ridiculous, crazy. He walked up and he told them, well, you're hypocrites. And basically what he did, a hypocrite at that time, of course, some of you probably, some of you know, it's an actor, play actor. So when you think about religion and relationship, when we practice religion, all we're doing is play acting. We're trying to please the people around us. We're trying to please sometimes parents, please sometimes friends, maybe a significant other. We do it because someone thinks that we should do it. So we do it out of religion. And that's not what God would want from us. Jesus is this personal God, amazing personal God, who wants community and relationship with you. He doesn't want you to just do it. He wants to see the reasons why you do it. Why? He wants you to tell him why you're doing it. You know, when you're up here and you do worship, you know, it's not just that you look like you're worshiping. It's not just like you do certain things to be worshiped, but really, what is your heart? What is the point? And we all struggle. Sometimes we all feel like sometimes really entering into worship, and sometimes it is our day and how things have gone, maybe life's problems when they've thrown something at us. But I'm going to tell you, there's, it's, it's sometimes it's just like, okay, I'm going to push away everything that's going against, come against me today, and I'm just going to like think, okay, but I, God is here, and I know he loves me, and regardless of my life falling apart, I love him back. So it's relationship. So people who have done this religion thing for years and years, nothing has ever changed in their lives. Nothing. There's people that I've seen have followed the same religion. They could tell me it's what they do, how they do a certain thing, but they really don't know why they do it, what's the point behind it, and nothing has ever changed for them. And what's saddest most of all, this is what really blows my mind, they don't recognize how it's ever helped them, but yet if you were to ask them, they would tell you that you need to go to that same church. And when they become parents, they tell their kids to get married and be in that same church. And then they tell their grandkids, be in that same church. It's never done anything for them, never helped them, never did anything to make them grow in their relationship, but yet it's tradition. It's religion. So it's just craziness. You know, they might go to church, but, you know, because they don't have relationship and they only have religion, they can't handle when there's tough times. And we all go through tough times. There's nobody that's exempt. I mean, if you look through the Bible, you realize every one of those people that were disciples went through way worse than what we're going to. I mean, hopefully. <laughs> Some of you guys have to go through that. That would be amazing. But, I mean, these people went through tough, tough times. So, I mean, we can see that, man, it's, it's going to be a tough, tough time. And, and, you know, these people, they become more religion instead of relationship. What happens, they start to fall victim, really, to everything that the enemy starts to trick them with. And like I say, they become dead meat. You know, the enemy will devour them, eat them up. And it's just a matter of time because they have no self-control. They've never really thought about really what they really need to do. You know, these people, a lot of times that have religion and not relationship, you know, their faith is just faulty, faulty. Their first thought is not to go to God and ask for help when something goes wrong. They go to man, you know, help me, tell me what to do, tell me, you know, tell me what to do instead of the God that can help them. You know, they false fall victim to all these false senses of security. You know, I don't know how many people that would call themselves Christians and would call themselves 
believers that actually get involved in psychics, horoscopes, lotteries, money schemes, all these different things. And it's really not what we're supposed to go to. But they get involved in those things because they don't know the truth. It's all about religion and not relationship. And the thing is, a lot of those people still, too, they get this idea of thinking and telling their kids that it's all about, man, life, life is all about getting that great education and that great job and get that great house and buy that nice car. And that's what it's all about. And it becomes all about the world because religion is at the base, not relationship. Because if it's relationship, we're going to see what, why. What are we doing and why are we wasting our time and all these things that really God's word says, give it up. Those are the things not be concerned with. We're supposed to, yeah, it's great to have a job. I'm not telling you all to go ditch your jobs and, you know, live crazy or nothing. But, you know, the thing is, don't let that be your priority in life. Don't let that be the only thing. God says be number one. He wants to be number one. So these people, a lot of times in religion, they try to keep um, trying to stuff this God-shaped hole that's inside of their heart with things. Just keep trying to push more and more things. And they start to self-medicate because life ain't working. It don't work. Religion doesn't work. We can see it doesn't work. You know, what ends up happening with people with religion instead of relationship, it becomes a bondage to them because they know that they can never please God. They feel like they can never please somebody around them. It becomes so misfocused that they start to get involved with stuff like alcohol, drugs, food, Men, women, you know, jobs, like I said, things to just, just distract us. And, you know, they try to be good enough for people. They try to live a good enough life. They try to do everything right. They start to serve at their churches. They start to get involved with all ministries. And I'm just going to do stuff, and good works, you know. I'm going to try to do these things. They walk around trying to be liked by everybody. Shelby and I went to the um, Y the other day. Oh, my goodness. I swear to God, I hope no woman has to go through what this poor woman did. She was in there... <laughs> changing at the end of the after working out she i think has a three-year-old maybe and this other lady was there and she's drying her hair she goes oh did you put him in the Montessori school or oh, you need to put him in the Montessori school that's where you need to sign him you really need to put him in the, did you put her in there did you sign her up yet and the lady's like no i should though i should i should i should do that i should get her oh i will i should do you know i'm like oh my goodness that poor woman went to work out and by the time she left she felt like crap because this woman beat the crap out of her, telling her she wasn't good enough because she didn't have her in the right school. She's three years old. I mean, the pressure that ends up happening when we do, like, religion, this mindset, this idea of thinking that we have to please people because you don't feel relationship, you don't have God. People didn't get involved with us, a, a project, a cause. You know, politics, people let that be their mindset. It becomes something to take their mind off of things and a lot of people that become involved with stuff, they begin to do good works in church, like I say, because they think that God's going to like them more if they're doing things for him. And God's definitely going to be okay with them then. And, man, you can see those people, are, their faith is faulty. It really is. It's, it's a faulty faith. If you watch them praising God, it means nothing. It's dull. It doesn't even, there's nothing backing them up at all. And uh, obviously their witness is going to be weak. If they're not really living it and believing it, they're not going to be able to really witness and have anything backing it up. You know, you, you're not going to take what they're offering because it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything to them. So why are you going to buy it from them? You know, there's a thing with leadership. They talk about you have to buy into the leader before you'll buy into what he's selling. It's like anything as far as Christianity. If we're not living it and we're not believing it and we're not really buying into ourselves, how do we expect anybody that we witness to ever to buy into it? You've got to have something to back it up. 
You know, but these people will go out there, and people who practice religion, them telling about other people about Jesus is, is a joke because they have nothing to back it up. So Paul, in that scripture, he paints for us a picture of what's going to happen to those people that really have religion and no relationship. And uh, he says that it starts to show in them, and it's their undoing, and that they are not going to have any influence. And I think that's why we have such poor Christianity today. I think that's why our churches are filled with such fake, phony actors all the time, over and over again. I've told people in the youth ministry for years, it's like, man, if this didn't mean something to me, I would sleep in every Sunday. I would never be here on a Sunday morning. I'd get up every day about 10, maybe not, because I, I don't sleep very well. I'd probably get up on 9, <laughs> truthfully. <laughs> maybe 8.30. And I'd make big breakfast. Maybe, you know, and make a big breakfast probably. And, you know, probably two big packs of bacon. But, um, you know, that's probably what I would do. You know, every day, I'd, I'd just live a life just as fun and mediocrity. It wouldn't matter. But because I love Jesus, I want to praise him. I want to love him. I want to show him that I care for him. So, you know, the thing is, what happens, like, at this poor Christianity day, you know, the thing is, we're reproducing poor Christianity because we're poor Christians a lot of times. You know, if there's a saying that a lot of times if you make a copy from a copy and you keep taking that copy and you make another copy... Take another copy, you make another copy. Before long, it's going to be pretty blurred, faded, not working right. That's the mindset. See, this idea, this mindset of being taught things before you're 13, a lot of times it's reproduced for generations and generations of what Christianity was supposed to be. And we've got this faulty copy of what Christianity is supposed to look like. And people are like, man, I don't want nothing to do with it. There's something about passion. I'm going to tell you, passion is an attractive quality. It's attractive in a mate. It's attractive in Jesus Christ. I mean, if you know someone's passionate, you want to think, what is it about them that they have? But what is it about Jesus that they're like, there's something real there. And you're like, what, what is it? What are they sensing? What are they feeling that you want that? You want to be around it. You know, there's something about that passion quality. But people with religion and that relationship just don't get it. There are some three main things that people with religion do that um, relationship people aren't going to do. People with religion uh, will refuse the word of God. They're going to refuse it. They're not going to even count it as important. They're going to refuse to read it. They're going to refuse to follow it. This is an amazing, amazing, I don't even want to just call it a book because it's not just a book. I, I tell everybody in youth, I'm going to tell you, this is a living, breathing I love my Bible. My Bibles go through absolute crap because I, I beat them. They go with me everywhere, <laughs> I'm going to tell you. All my Bibles that I've ever read look like they've gone through a grinder by the time I'm done reading them after the while. They're always taped up. But I'll tell you what, I love God's Word. I have this um, uh, thing where, I mean, I seriously, those guys know I'm probably a little crazy, but I am crazy. You'll just get used to it. I, don't, I cannot set another book even on top of my Bible. I just can't do it because to me, it is honestly, it's the book. Nothing should sit on it, ever. That's how I feel about it. But people who have a religion in that relationship, they don't, even, they don't even acknowledge it. It's nothing there. You know, I've never had anybody that argue with me about God know anything really about much about the Bible. Even people who say, if you watch them on television, the people that say that they're the, you know, the scholars of the Bible, all they know is what they've read. They've never really felt God's word change them inside them. And so it's not, it hasn't happened for them. You know, I've heard it over and over again that many people um, 
are told in certain churches that it's not important. It's not important for you to read it yourself. Martin Luther, man, <laughs> fought for to the nail. That's what's on the back door there on there is his, is his theses, is the idea that, you know, well, this is for every person. This is not just for certain people to read. This is what, I mean, there's people that fought and died for this book. It's just amazing. Years ago, people would like have to, they chained it up in churches. They changed it to the, chained it to the pews because people wanted God's word so badly that they would steal it. And what's so crazy is they say in the end times, oh, we have to know it because if something happens when it gets taken away, we're going to have to know those words to give ourselves comfort and peace. That's what we're going to get. Now, I, I tell everybody, I don't care at all if you don't know where the books are in the Bible. doesn't matter. I don't care if you don't know what scripture is. I don't care if you don't know John 3.16. doesn't matter. It's just that you know God so loved the world that he died and gave his only begotten son. That's what you should know. It doesn't matter if you don't know John 3.16. I'm the absolute worst about finding a scripture in the Bible ever. I've read it. I can tell you. I've read the Bible numerous times. Don't ask me what's a scripture. Deb, do you know the scripture? I'm like, nope. I could tell you what it says. won't tell you the scripture because I'm not good with that. But you know what? God's word doesn't matter that way. We don't need to know it that way. That's man's rules. That's religion. Relationship is what it did to change your heart. You know, that's what it is. Revelation 19.13, when Jesus returns to earth, he says, he is dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is the word of God. I mean, my goodness, shouldn't we take this serious? If when he comes back, He's, he's called the word of God. <laughs> this, is what Je- this is Jesus. That's why I say it's not just a book. That's why you have to read. It's so important for you to read. Start somewhere. I don't care if it's this much every day. Read that much. Doesn't matter. Just something. Something to start with because I'm going to tell you, it is life-changing. So God wants us to know the word of God. He wants us to know Jesus, and he wants us to be familiar with it. It says here, it says in the end, Time will come when people will not endure sound doctrine. They're not going to want to know the truth. You know, and to endure means to put up with it, and doctrine is obviously teaching. So put up with good teaching. People don't want to. People with religion don't want to hear it. Relationship, they're going to be like, okay, this might be tough. Tell me what it is. You know, they don't want to follow something that points out their flaws and makes them feel like they're not good enough. You know, people, we're in this mindset. A lot of times, if we just want to be told that we're great, you're good enough, you're wonderful. You don't have to change. You know, a lot of times in churches, what's sad is what's happened over time because of this mindset, this copy and things. You sit in churches, and it becomes a message about global warming, saving the homeless, which, hey, great cause, but what about God's word? You know, um, they start to make out God in somebody who just wants to make them happy and tell them they're great, and God bless you, man. That's what it's all about, and, you know, it's not it. You know... We need forgiveness because we're sinners. We need to be changed, which means we have to work on our own selves. We have to change. We have to be in relationship with God. We have to start putting God first. So what if God is real and his word actually means what it says it says? We're going to be in a heap of hurt if that's, we haven't taken that serious, if we've never really read his word. Because someday when it's taken away, I mean, there's people that actually have one little scripture, one ripped out of a Bible, and they read this much every day. You know what? That's all they're going to have. Like so important for you to read and get it. But a lot of these people, you know, these people a lot of this time with religion, these are the same people who will go to conferences all the time. 
There is a new conference. Joyce Myers is here. This person's here. Oh, they're just going to every conference on the sun. They don't read God's word for themselves, but they go to conferences to hear about what God's word says. Seminars, teachings, because they want to get a word. They want to get a word. 66 books of them right here. What's the problem? I don't get it. Why are you traveling miles away? Instead, You won't travel across the street and feed your neighbor or help them or do anything for them, but yet you'll travel miles to go listen to some preacher to get a word. You know, there's people that buy tapes and books all the time to get this knowledge from God. Revelation. God's going to give them some. They just spend the time on their knees and truly seek him and pray. They could hear from him themselves. God is so approachable and real. And you don't have to have money to do it. You don't have to have a car. You don't have to have nothing. You could be as poor as you are. It don't matter. God's there for you as much as he is the wealthy person. Doesn't matter. That's what's so great about our God. But relationship involves getting to know the one that you have a relationship with, isn't it? If you're in a relationship with the person, isn't it that you want to spend time with them? Isn't that you want to get to know them and like their likes and dislikes and think, man, what pleases them? You know, what, what pleases them? I mean, you, most of the time when you meet somebody, you start in a relationship, you're like, what kind of foods do you like? You know, what kind of like, you know, what kind of soda? I'll make sure I have it in my house. You know, what, what do you like? You know, and this is what we do for each other because we love people and we want to give them something. We really love them. But yet we don't do that with God. God, what pleases you? God, what do I do to make you be happy with me? How do we have this relationship? You've got to think about that thing. Make God, God is every day. Don't have him up here like he's some holier than thou, which he is, he's holier than thou God. But he's right here next to us. That's the God that we serve. The other thing wrong with those people that have religion and not relationship is they still love doing what is wrong. They don't love God enough to get rid of sin and change. They love sin, they love the world. We know that God's word says you have to quit loving the world. you got to get that mindset. God's word says we're passing through. Like I say, don't ask me what the scripture reference is, but we're aliens. We're passing through. The world pleases us much too easy. 2 Timothy 3, 1, 5, 1 through 5 again. Like I said, all these different things are going to happen. You know, people loving money, boastful and proud, scoffing at God, you know, disobedient, all those different things, betraying their friends, all these different things. You know, they, they have this mindset of loving pleasure rather than God. If you, um, I want you to understand, <laughs> I think it was like two, three weeks ago on a Tuesday night, it was just really like struck me and I was like, <sighs> I want you people to know <laughs> that if you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, then you have to change. You have to change. It has to happen. I, I really, truly believe with all my heart after reading through the Bible so many times you cannot repent without growing closer to God. And you cannot grow closer to God without repenting. Both work the same. It's just the way it goes. You can't, you can't say, God, I love you, but then never get rid of or work, try to work on sin. You've got to change. It doesn't work that way. Because of the fact that sin is a barrier, sin stops your relationship with God. It's like somebody, every time you want to go hug somebody and someone else walks up in front of you all the time and stops you, you know, you can't put your arms around because someone blocks you every single time. Sin is what does, that's what sin does in our life with God. It keeps us out of the presence of God. God's word says he can't hear our prayers. He can't hear our prayers. He says he hears the prayers of a righteous person. 
So which means a person who's going to seek after him, a person who's going to try to get rid of sin in their lives, he's going to hear their prayers. Now, I've heard, I've told those guys many times, I said, there's people that will say, oh, I'm only going to tell, like, you know, a couple of people, I, I'm going through a tough time, so I'm just going to tell a few people. Me, I'm going to tell you, if I'm going through something, I'm telling everybody and their brother, because I'm not counting on one or two people that are here, and that God's actually going to hear their prayers, because I don't know their life. I really don't know their lives. I can sit up here and tell you I'm godly. I'm this, I'm that. You know what, you really don't know what I am. Who am I really? I am serving God, yeah. But the thing is, I'm going to count, hopefully get somebody out there that's going to get, that's really living it. Their prayers are righteous and their prayers are going to reach God in heaven. I'm not going to hide my sin and think, oh, I just, you know, or I'm going with my tough times. I just, I'm going to count on everybody. Man, pray for me. I'll tell everybody, pray for me. <laughs> pray for me if I'm going through something. Pray for me today. I need your help. And uh, I, I, the kids know, anybody that's been in CYM, I say to them too, don't ever tell people that you're praying for them if you're not really going to pray for them. Because I think that's really something we need to think about. Sometimes with our, our pat little answer, well, I'll pray for you. I take that serious. Like you're saying that you're going to take something that's to the throne of God for that person. That's not something to say lightly to somebody. If you're not going to mean it, don't say it. You know, don't, don't lie and say little fluffy things all the time to people just because you think it's the religion way. So the thing is, you know, you've got to understand that because of our sin sometimes, you know, he's not with you. As much as God's with you and wants to be with you and he wants to be sat by your side, don't think that God's with you when you're doing something that's sinful. When you're drunk, when you're having sex outside of marriage, when you're doing all these things, he's not with you then. He's not. I want you to understand because he is holy and he wouldn't be a part of it. He wouldn't be. You've got to understand that God is holy. He's holy. God's word says it's actually evil to even um, listen to what other men speak, the, the rotten things that they say. Sometimes he says, don't even listen to those things. Don't even allow your ears to hear them. You know, don't be around those kind of things. And, and some people, honestly, that call themselves Christians, it's, it's religion. They speak about, like, sin and everything. With, it's nothing. It's fr- frivolity. It's nothing. It's just frivolous behavior. It's like, well, I did this. Well, I did this. It's, it's religion. So I have a really hard time with people who pretend to be followers. I really, really do. I'm going to tell you because I take it personal. I take it extremely personal because I'm going to tell you, I know what I did before I was 28. I know that person who I was. And I'm going to tell you, I'm a different person now, thank God. But people that, like, say that they accept it and believe it and then they don't live it and everything, I take it really personal because I really truly think that they're mocking God because his grace is amazing. You know, he died for each one of us. If we, if we feel that, don't mock him by like keep a, a living a life of religion and, and thinking you can do whatever you want. You know, I really truly believe that my God is so blindingly pure. I think that's when Paul, when he's walking on this road to Damascus, when he has this experience with God and he becomes blind, it's because God was so blindingly pure that it was just like phew, blind. You know, that's, that's how God is. He expects purity from his people that are following him, people that have real relationship with him. And that's not perfection. It's not like you have to be perfect, but you have to be striving for it. You have to be trying. You have to be working. That's why he noticed people like Job. That's why he called them blameless. And that's why he noticed people like David throughout the Bible. You know, he noticed that he already had love for God. You know, if you're looking for true love and acceptance, I want you to know it comes with a price, and that is you changing. It really, really does. You have to change to have God work in your life. 
You know, it says they will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. I don't think sometimes we take that serious, those last little parts on the thing. You know, sometimes we look, look at the big thing and we're like, okay, you know, we, we do it. Stay away from people like that. Pretty simple. <laughs> Why is it that we have such a hard time? I don't understand it. I think because it becomes more religion than relationship. You know, people tell us, well, we just got to be kind. We got to do this. We got to do that. It's like, you know what? Follow the Holy Spirit's leading sometimes. Just follow what the Holy Spirit tells you. The Holy Spirit tells you to do something, do it. The Holy Spirit sometimes tells you, get away from that person, get away from that person. Listen. Um, people who don't want to read or follow God's word, love of the world, man, they're missing the most important thing, and that is the Holy Spirit. It is a key in your life. If you're not going to seek after the Holy Spirit, once you're really saved, once you actually accept Jesus as your Savior, you truly believe it. You say it with your, your mouth, you know, even if there's some doubts from time to time, but you really want to believe it, really hope that God's Word's planted. Do what God's Word says and be baptized. And I'm going to tell you, then start really saying, God, give me, you know, give me what you want from the Holy Spirit. Give me gifts. Give me the things that you want from me. Give me these things. Because he says he'll give them to us. But like I said, these people are the ones, the religious but not the relationship, who are always pulled into the wrong things. Always. I'm sure you've met them. People are like, every time you turn around, there's another drama, another thing, another thing. You know, a lot of times, people with religion, you'll notice a lot of times in churches, they're really drawn to those people that really like the theatrical. You know, they, they want these people. I'm not a over-the-top, you can see, I don't move much. I'm really boring. I mean, I would tell you, seven years ago, I was way worse speaker. I always say, I've come a long way, and I know I'm not great now. But um, seriously, I, you know, I'm not here to impress anybody. I'm not going to do a cartwheel. I'm not going to do nothing. I've never, in seven years, done youth ministry and tried to be cool. I'm not cool. I admit it, I'm not cool. I'm not going to be cool. I'm not going to do theatrics. I'm not going to get up here and dress and go, yo, man. You know, this, I'm not me. So not going to happen. I don't have showmanship. I don't have charisma. I don't have none of that stuff. No big deal. But the thing is, people a lot of times, if that's what you're looking for, just to be impressed all the time, what's the point? We need God's truth and real truths, and we need people who are going to speak it. And I want you to know something, and not just because he's my son. I can vouch for Cameron. As your leader, I can vouch for him on a daily basis. This is a guy who seeks after God all the time. All the time. There's a lot of times I can't find him. You know why? Because he's up reading God's word, up praying, up doing the things that need to do. I watch his personal life. He doesn't get involved with things he shouldn't do. He doesn't watch things that he shouldn't. He, he really doesn't do it. And I'm going to tell you, that's a great thing for you guys to know because you need to understand that your leader is living a life of godliness, which means he can actually produce a great copy someday. That's important. So, people with religion and not relationship also, a lot of these people will run from wise counsel. They'll run from it. When there's truth, when there's real things, they won't want to go to it. People with religion will always look for a quick cure. Not that long, hard road that's going to take work. And like I said, they want to be petted. They want to tell they're great. Just the way they are, don't change. But God's word tells us that God disciplines those that he loves, doesn't he? He says, if, you love, if I love you, I'm going to discipline you. Why don't we do the same thing? Every time I've ever had to discipline my kids, and I'm going to tell you, I, I have been blessed. I say all the time, I am blessed because I know I had, know you guys, some of you guys know because you've been in the youth ministry, but I had a rotten childhood. 
lots of abuse, lots of things that have gone on in my life when I was young. I'm going to tell you, I know God has blessed me with great kids because I couldn't take another thing. He says he doesn't give us more than we can handle. I'm going to tell you, I really believe that. My childhood was such a disaster, such a mess, that I look sometimes and I'm thinking, I am so blessed to have the kids I do. And I think that was just a gift from God because he's like, man, you had enough. <laughs> You're getting the good stuff now. And I really believe that. You know, I'm thinking, that, you know, God is just so amazing to have given me a gift like the kids that he's given me. And I mean, to do this. I love doing youth ministry. This is the best thing ever. But, you know, the thing is we have to understand that you have to be able to accept correction sometimes. You have to be disciplined. When I've corrected my kids, I've never enjoyed it. I can tell you, I've never had to enjoy being the, the disciplinarian. But you do it for their own good. And it shows them that I love them. It does show them that I love them. If I put a boundary up around them, sometimes they say, hey, listen, I expect you to do this. They're going to think, okay, they actually do care. God does the same thing for us. Sometimes he says, hey, you can't do that. That's not cool. Don't do that. And it's like, we should just, okay. Obviously, he's telling me this because he loves me and he cares for me. So the thing is, the Bible says that a lot of people, though, they will turn away from the truth and turn aside to fables. Storytelling. Like I said, what's the point? What's the point? I'm going to tell you, I'm never going to go to a church that's all about telling me a story. Like I say, bacon's calling on Sunday. I'm not going to go and listen to some fable. Uh-uh. No way. If I'm not getting God's word, I'm not going. That's it. So, you know, the thing is, though, these people will turn to anything that looks and sounds good. I seriously, I love bacon. Did I ever tell you my story? I seriously, I want you to know because, like, I had no money growing up ever. My sister raised me when I was seven on, you know, because my, my mom died. My dad wasn't around. He was an alcoholic, so my sister raised me. I lived in a family with, like, five, six people, and I'm literally, my sister would make one little package of bacon, and I got, like, one piece ever. When she cooked bacon, it was, like, one little strip. You know those things when they fry up, they're, like, this big. There's, like, nothing. And I was like, that was it? It was honestly, my first paycheck I ever got, I went home, I bought a whole pack of bacon and I ate every bit of it. I'm not kidding. Very first thing I ever bought. Bacon fried it up and I love bacon just in plain white bread, not toasted, nothing, just, and squish it down. Oh man, that's the best. I'm serious. I love it. It's like the, it's like a heart attack just waiting to happen. White bread, refined bread and greasy bacon, but it's great. I'll tell you, I love it. Um, but, yeah, I'll say, the bacon's great. I'm going to say, I could never live this Old Testament way, man. Give me bacon. I don't know how I would do it. I don't know. <laughs> I would really have a hard time. But, you know, the thing is, it's just crazy. But, like I say, see, you can see, I, I am nuts. Now you just know why. If Cameron and Shelby ever act up, you know why. Because it's like, this is what they dealt with their whole life. Um, <laughs> the thing is, you know, like I say, I don't want to hear fable. When I go to God's, God's house, I want to hear God's truth. I want somebody telling me a story and telling me all these fake words. And I'm going to tell you, you can tell when someone's sitting there going, oh, hallelujah, oh, isn't it God great? And you're like, there's nothing backing them up. You feel like, well, your words are hollow. There's no praise. I, I don't even sense it. You know, there's something about that. But, you know, the things, sometimes the, the truth is going to hurt us sometimes. It may crush us, but hopefully you're going to learn from something. You're going to learn from your mistake, and you're going to reevaluate and change. Okay, I don't want to do it this way, then I'm worried. next time I'm going to do it this way. You say the, the truth, the, the law of insanity is just to keep doing something and expecting a different result, doing things the same way over and over again, but thinking a different outcome is going to happen. That's insanity. But, you know, again, think about those things. These simple, simple truths. And I'm going to finish up with this because I know I've talked a lot. But I so enjoy listening to you guys and talking to you. But anyway, um, you know, again, think about those basics in your life. What about those basic truths? What if this is the only life that you get to lead? What if you just throw it all away 
and you do it in religion, and you don't do it out of relationship. You know, if this God created you, doesn't he deserve a, God, a, a person who loves him enough to really think, okay, accept your truth is real? You know, if he did this for you, you know, what if he really does expect us to do more for him than just this religious behavior? It's not enough. You know, if you're practicing, which that's another thing I'm going to tell you. I don't understand that practice in religion. Just do it. Which, just do it. What are you practicing all the time for? <laughs> just be the expert. I don't get it. But just go into the relationship. You know? But you have to start thinking about those things. You have to start doing the work. You know, and think about those big what-ifs in your life. How are you going to be effective to people if you don't have the truth and you're living out of relate or religion and not relationship you can't you have nothing to back you up your words ring hollow your life falls apart because your prayers aren't affected because you're always involved in religion and not relationship he doesn't even hear you so then because of the fact that you don't feel god's presence in your life you start to think well you know what i i can't trust that god's going to help me out of this jam so you know what i gotta go play the lottery i need money you know or you know what, God's not answering my prayers, and you know, I'm just, I'm very unhappy because my life's unfulfilling, so you know, man, I gotta go find that other person to make me fulfilled. Let God be what's important in your life. Start to really think about that. I want you to really tonight start thinking about what religion, are you doing things in your life already? I don't care if you've said you believe and you've accepted Jesus, or if you haven't, whatever, stop and think. Are you doing stuff just out of religion? Are you doing it because of it's something that you think you should do or something because you really love Jesus and you want to do it for him because you really do truly want to please the God that died for you and because you truly want to someday be able to create great copies around you? You know? I just am so thankful that someday, someday I really truly believe it was prophesied years ago that out of CYM there was going to be world changers. I believe that. I really believe it. And, you know, that's why I've always taken it so serious with what I do up here because I think, man, I can't sit up here and just give drivel and nothing. And I can't just sit there and just lie and play games. We don't come up here. I'm going to tell you, this is a youth ministry that's amazing that we have as many kids as we do because I'm going to tell you, they get a message every week. We hardly play games. Mike's probably surprised by the fact when he first comes. We don't hardly ever play games. And I don't just throw pizza parties up here. Most people in the church think that's what I do. And I actually write a message every single week myself. I don't pull out a book and look and think, okay, this is what I'm going to teach. I write a message every week. I think we have to be led by the Holy Spirit. What God tells me to teach is what I teach. You know, God is so amazingly real. I am amazed that he loved me enough to care about me. Because honestly, 28 years of living a life, worthless I thought I had everything figured out. I thought I had everything all. You know, I had the husband. I had the two kids. I even had the little dog. Had it all. Went through depression. Couldn't function. Thought I was dying. Going to leave my kids like I, my mom left me. And, you know, the thing is, you know, I realized that, man, I really needed a father. I know Shelby's talked about it a couple times. I know you guys have talked about your testimony. You know, if you can talk about your testimony, I'm going to tell you, there's something... When you give your testimony, you should be able to say what it is that God filled inside of you. I can tell you, when I accepted Jesus as my Savior, it was the first time I felt like I had a father that loved me. That was the difference. 
You know, but there should be something. What is it personally for you? Why did Jesus fill your heart? What did he do to make you feel different? You know, I want to pray for you. Seriously, if, you, if you've ever been involved, I mean, if you're thinking about your life on a daily basis, you think sometimes, why are you just doing this? Ask God. Just say, am I doing it out of religion? Show me if that's what it is. Help me to seek you more in relationship and not religion. But I'm going to tell you, its basis is here. Read God's word. Pray. Do the simple things, and you'll, you'll make it. Well, Lord, I just thank you for tonight. I just thank you for this opportunity. Lord, I just am so thankful, Father, that I had Cameron last night to be able to teach CYM and do a great job, and all the kids were so excited. And I just thank you also for this opportunity, Lord, this uh, chance to get to speak to people I've never gotten an opportunity to speak to before. I thank you, Father, for your presence in each one of our lives, and I just thank you, Father, that you are a God that disciplines and loves and cares for us and wants to be so close to us on a personal basis. And I'm so thankful that you're not a God that's just so distant and uncaring, and I just love you for that. And I just ask, Father, that you just uh, be real to each person that's here. Lord, if they've struggled with religion and this mindset of just pleasing people, I just pray that you would just help them, Lord, to feel your presence, that they really seek you in relationship. And, uh, Lord, I just pray, Father, for these big things in their lives, Lord, these big questions that we're called on to answer all the time, these big what-ifs, and we're supposed to be able to represent them as true followers of you, Lord. I just pray that you'd help us, Lord, to get those things right in us, those foundations, so that we can truly uh, create great copies around us. Thank you for your presence and the love that you give us, and we just ask for uh, your help in our lives, Lord, and we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, let's give a hand to, uh, to Deb for being here tonight, rocking that for us. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Hey, I just wanted to, just wanted to close with you guys um, just real fast. I was just going to remind you guys that we have um, these cards up here. Like I told you guys, come pick up the cards that you had. Um, if you guys need to fill something out, you can have these to put in the offering. I'm going to go ahead and toss around the offering. Um, a little different tonight, what I want you guys to do, you can t- throw in the ones for Mark. But tonight, uh, all the offering you guys give, we're going to give it to Deb for coming and speaking with us and, um, and giving us God's word. So whatever you would like to toss in there, totally cool. Um, but if you want to take and bless her, we're just going to take and um, whatever we can get put together, we're going to give it to her tonight and just say thank you. So um, I'm just going to toss that to Riley. She's my, my long receiver there. Good job. And uh, God bless you tonight. Have a great night and a good weekend. This is good.